Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Got you covered. Praise the Lord. Are we ready to get into the Word? No. I got the sciatica, and for those of you who um, haven't heard, um, they suggested uh, um, uh, a surgery. Oh, I'm sorry. At 46, we call them procedures. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like 40, 45, everything, that all of a sudden you're getting procedures. <sighs> um, getting old. But it's all good. Dave prayed for me this morning. I felt, I'm, I'm not even lying. It says he put his hands on me. I just kind of leaned back and, and I felt like I was at the chiropractor, like two or three pieces of vertebrae, like click, click, click. And I, I felt the release. Um, so I know God, I know healing is, 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 is on the cusp. For the past several weeks, I've been speaking to you about uh, intrinsic value. Intrinsic value. That word intrinsic means that something that's naturally inborn, part of, it's it's there already. Um, and there's a value that's already there inside of us. And I was speaking about self-worth. Uh, and then we spoke about the holy deposit last week. And the, the deposit that God makes into us, puts into us. I want to speak to this in light of communion this morning as we get ready to partake in communion. Um, this, this will probably be the last on, on, on the intrinsic value as now we go into um, what comes next. It's all about the Holy Spirit. But today, it's all about having the debt paid in full. What determines the value of an individual. We, we, we spoke that it's not, it's not in the eyes of your co-workers, it's not in the eyes of your boss, it's not even in the eyes of mom and dad. It's not in the eyes of your siblings or your friends. Your value comes from the eyes of God. How does God see you? If you're selling a house, how many people home homeowners, home buyers, home? You, okay, you're selling a house. Don't you want to know what what you can sell the house for? What what what's the price that you can get for your home? You know, you want to get an accurate current evaluation of how much the house is worth. In the industry, we call that a CMA. That's a comparative market analysis. So if I have a four-bedroom, two-kitchen house but that sold in my area, how much did that sell for? What was its condition? I begin to start comparing that to my house, and I get a market analysis in regards to how much my house should sell for if I was to put it on the market. So the market is what determines the value of the house. That value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. If you've missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you, I'm going to give you, here's the podcast plug. Go to the podcast. Um, um, download the, the, the series, because one message builds upon the other. Um, in regards to this value system, why, why, why is it that we devalueize ourselves so much? Hmm? 
Why is it that we are so heavy on ourselves? I want to take you back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 through 17. Oscar will put it up on the board. If you can thumb through your devices or the pages of your Bible. Always encourage the Bible. Oh, Andrea's will put it up. Yay! Yo, can we give it up to Andrea? Yay! <laughs> She's going to kill me later for that. <laughs> I love you. Um, she's she's going to put it up on the board. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But, hmm, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We thank you, Lord, that even Father, we thank you, God, for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that even as we worshiped, we, we felt you. You moved in the room. You moved within our hearts. I pray, God, that your presence would stay here with us. Release your Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Ghost. We thank you for your activity in our lives. Come now and reveal God's word to us. Make it plain, make it clear, and plant it. Sow it deep within our hearts, O oh God, that it would bring out a harvest, Lord, that would multiply and feed many. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name, amen. We see a principle in this passage of scripture. I like to call it the if-then principle. If you, blah, 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 then I will, blah, 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 blah. It's the if-then principle. If, if you eat of this one tree that you're not supposed to eat, then you will surely die. But, the adversary wants to always point on the little thing, the one thing that you're not allowed. Because that will take your vision off of the countless things that you are, that you do have, that you are permitted. All of a sudden, I've got all of this freedom in the Lord. And the adversary is wants to come out and put the spotlight on just one thing and all of a sudden as I become obsessed with that one thing I become disgruntled become a murmurer yeah but God if you really love me yeah but God if I, but but God I, I'm really I, I really want to search this thing out oh but God I, I really need that job oh but God I, I, I really want this marriage oh but God Anything that you would put above or before God has become your idol. Even something that God ordained and blessed, such as a marriage. Even the things that God has ordained and blessed as he called us out to be a laborer. 
and work in our field. If my job, if what I do becomes my identity, then that identity is an idol before the eyes of God. Everything that we do ought to be pursuing one thing and one thing only. Above all else, put God first. If we eat of this tree, it's the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of good and evil. When God created man, he created him good. Did he not say he saw that it was good? He good. We were already good. The goodness is in us. The goodness is a part of us. It is a virtue. It's, it's the very image and likeness of the God that created us. Good. People say God is good. I say his creation is good, but it's been tainted. It's been tainted. Because now within the good, there's also knowledge, not only of good. Man only knew good. But now because of disobedience, he has a knowledge of evil. So now man knows to do both good and evil. He's tainted. That 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 taint is like di it's like a it was like a diabetes. It was like you know what? Because he, now this disobedience took place within the forefront of creation within Adam and Eve, and now as they procreated, it passed down. We, we some some theological circles call it original sin, born with it. I love seeing babies when they're born. They're so fresh and new. You ever you ever see a newborn sleep? And when they sleep, like they like cracking up in their dreams? What can a newborn possibly be dreaming about that it cracks them up in their sleep? I love it. But I really feel and know that because they're so fresh within their innocence. God told Jeremiah, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. The fact is that we were a soul before we were a creation, a creature. Before we were in the flesh, God was, a, we were already in relationship with God. He already knew us and we knew Him. And babies then are born into this world and, 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 and they pass down. But I think that they're, they're so fresh, so innocent, so new. And, and, and they remember, they can see those angelic beings around us. I mean, I've seen babies just go and crack up and look. And, and I know that they're seeing something. I know that they're seeing something. And just the way they see that goodness, they also see scary things for whatever reason. They, they freak out. You can tell a lot of the energy that's within the place by the reaction of a newborn baby. Hmm. And because sin is now a part of us, the wages of sin is death. Now, now we know that Adam didn't naturally die immediately. The Bible says you shall surely die. And obviously physical death is a consequence of sin because sin is degenerative. Hmm? It's also progressive. You can allow, you can make one small little compromise in your life. One little sinful act, one little, one little act of disobedience. 
And that one little act of disobedience winds up taking you down a spiral because it affects your conscience. It affects your soul. It affects your form of thinking. Now all of a sudden you're plagued with thoughts that are contrary to the kingdom all because of one little act of disobedience. It's progressive and it'll take you down these dark roads and dark places. Adam didn't die physically immediately. He lived for 900 plus years. But he died spiritually. The spiritual nature within him died. There was a separation that came between him and God. It was because of that disobedience. Now they, he knew both good and evil. What did the what died in, in, in his spirit, man, that connection with God, we, we saw that immediately, didn't we? He hid from God. Hid from him. Ran from his prayer. Heard his voice coming through. We already saw that the relationship was, was twisted. It was perverted. Be, before they were one with God, he was in a presence. Now he's hearing him, his, his voice in the cool of the night. He hid from him. You know, uh, I, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to look at it in, in, in the court system of the tabernacle, of God's holy temple, and the outer court, and the inner court, and then the holy of holies, that inner sanctuary, and those three doors that you had to pass in order to get to that holy of holies where the presence of God was, you had to pass through the way, the truth, and the life to get into the presence of God. And everything that we do is about His presence, getting into the holy of holies, and being able to stay there as often, as long as we can. A.W. Tozer wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. It's all about knowing and living in the spirit, being a spirit man, not a Sunday-only Christian. A lot of people have religion and deny the power thereof. They go to church on Sunday and live like hell the rest of the week. No, no wonder that non-believers find it so difficult to believe when the hypocrisy is so prevalent. Sin brings separation from His presence. We experience spiritual death. We, we have a desire. Now that the flesh has tasted it, now we want it. And Adam High hid. He tried to cover his shame. He tried to fig, fig leaves and tried to cover it up. So many of us, we, we live lives of covering it up. We always want to put what? We want to put a little sh shade on it. Do things in secret. Oh, but I'm a Christian. I can't do that. So let me let me live the secret life and do this secretly. But then I'm going to turn around and, 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 and profess. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we need to be perfect. And this isn't a holier-than-thou movement. But it's a movement of righteousness. 
It's a movement of repentance. This isn't a walk of perfection. It's a walk of correction. And we have to allow ourselves to be corrected. That's what holiness is, is honesty between us and God. When Adam realized that they laid bare in sin, and that sin is now in them, is a part of them, it's on them, try to cover that thing up. Hollywood does that all of the time. Calvin Klein this, Gucci that, Louis Vuitton. Try to cover it up. Because the better I look, hey, if you, if you see me looking fly, then I don't have to worry about the things that are making me die. That's the hidden stuff. Can man hide his sin? Can man cover it up? Play it off good enough? You can you can wear a mask for a certain amount of time, but it's only a matter of time until you show your true colors. Because once life throws it at you, once the devil attacks, once you fall into the olive press, you you see what exudes out. What what comes out of you? Don't judge a Christian by, by, by how he can praise the Lord when he on his mountaintop moment. You, you consider the weight of a Christian and, and, and their faith in the midst of their opposition. When, when Satan rears his ugly head. When all of a sudden you get attacked on the variety of different forefronts. Oh, you just lost your job. Your wife just turned around and, and threw your stuff on the curb. And, and, and ma, wait, hold on a second. Boom, boom, boom. You think that's coincidence? Whenever you see those three front attacks, I call them the perfect storms. Those don't happen by coincidence. Those are, those are strategic attacks of the adversary. What comes out? How do you respond? Or, dear God, I surrender. You, Lord, have control over all of these things. Allow these things, oh God, if you've permitted them, allow them to have your perfect work in my life. Change me, mold me, teach me, oh God. For you are the potter and I am the clay. And although the weapon was formed, the song says, it will not prosper. So Lord, if you're going to have a perfect work within me, you're teaching me through the circumstances. If you've allowed the adversary opportunity to come and strip some of the things that are important to my life. There is nothing more important to me than you. So if these things have to be stripped for a season, then let them be stripped, God. I trust you and you alone. Jesus. This sinful nature that, that, that's within us, that theologically they call it total depravity. That's the condition of the heart. Oh, but God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows my heart. <laughs> he knows your heart too. And he says in Jeremiah that our hearts are what? Desperately wicked. Evil. 
above all things. Your heart will deceive you. Chase after the things your heart wants and watch where it leads you. Come on. The heart is total depravity. Unless we submit it and bring it before God, we are lost in our sins. Lost in them. Not even... It attacks us so hard and attacks the mind so bad that we don't even identify. We're, we're in the middle of it and, and we're in denial. We'd be in denial. The word of God says for we know that the law is spiritual. Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual. But we are what? Carnal. Sold under sin. We are so... You know what it is? What that means? You and I, in our sins, are slaves. Slaves to our sins. Slaves to the, to the desires of our carnal nature. It would come in and disrupt the, even the most irrational decisions. We'll make them just pursuing the fix for what I am doing I do not understand for that what I will to do that I do not practice but what I hate that I do if then I do what I will because it tells me the things that I shouldn't be doing but now it is no longer I who do it it's no longer I who sin. I don't want to sin. It's not my desire. It's not my want. But I fall into it. Every now and again, I, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. But Paul says it's now no longer a him who does it. But it's the sin that lives inside of him, lives inside of his flesh. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Your, your flesh is nothing good. Your flesh and its desires is part, it's part of the curse. It's part of the wage of the disobedience. This flesh, this flesh is no good. That's why when, when, we, when we shed the flesh, it turns back to what it is. Goes back to dust and maggots and worms eating. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's filthy. It's smelly. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, what if I now now if I do what I will not to do? It is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. <laughs> this is what he found. He found the law. He found the law. That law says that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. So now because God has come into my heart, I, I, I will to do good. But I realize and understand that within my flesh, there is sin. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. My spirit man delights in his law. It delights in his righteousness. It recognizes the goodness and the boundaries, he says. That war of the law in my members, in my flesh, in my body. That wars against the law of my mind. 
They're, they're contrary to one another. My, my mind and, and my heart wants one thing and then my body is pursuing and wants another and there's a dichotomy within there. There's, there's, there's this war that's taking place inside each and every one of us. And that, that, that law in the members warring against the law of the mind and, and it brings us into captivity to the law of sin which is within the body. <laughs> oh, wretched men that we are. Wretched people that we are. Who, who will deliver us from this physical body of death? Oh, exactly. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our law of sin. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Where do you live your life? Do you live it according to the law of the flesh? Or do you live it according to the law of the Spirit? What is your primary desire? What is it that's within your heart? Is it, is it to pursue pleasuring yourself? Or is it to pursue pleasing God? We're in the flesh. While we're in this flesh, we're going to have a fight. Because it's going to war against the spirit. And every now and again, while we're here, this flesh, guess what? It's going to win a few battles. We're, we're going to trip. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to have thorns in the flesh. We're going to have things that come up again, things from the past. Hey, whatever your struggle is, whatever the fight is, let me tell you something. It does not change your intrinsic value in the eyes of God. You get down on yourself. Oh, but my mind and the thoughts and my mouth, I just let out and, and the things. And why do I get so angry when I get cut off? Those are the things that you got to bring before the Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, kill off the flesh, Father God. Kill off the flesh, Father God. While, while it's active, kill off the flesh, Father God. Bring me into remembrance. Make me victorious. Oh God. You put up the fight. When you're in the fight, you know you're in the spirit. Come on. The moment you justify your sin. The moment you give reason for your sin. Oh, but the Lord made me this way. Everybody else is doing it. But they just legalized it. All of the justification and all of that rationalization is giving prudence, is, is, is what? It's, it's separating you from God. But if you take your sin and you come to God and you recognize it for what it is. God, I recognize this as sin. I recognize this, oh God, as, as something that's within this flesh. And I'm bowing before you, surrendering to you. I will not justify this. I will not rationalize it. And I will present it. You deal with me in this area, oh God. And I pray, Lord, that my weakness in my flesh 
would not be a stumbling block to someone else who may be seeking the faith. There's certain liberties that we have as Christians and, and those liberties, he's saying what? Take those liberties, but do not create a stuff that I can't drink. I choose not to drink. Because the wages of sin is death, God required that an innocent animal be sacrificed to provide a garment, a covering. Fig leaves wasn't going to do it. Louis Vuitton is not going to do it. Calvin Klein is not going to do it. You can look fly, but you're rotted inside. Only God was able to provide a covering that would be adequate, that would not only cover his sin, but would serve as a reminder of the consequence of his disobedience. Genesis 3.21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And right then and there, we see, we see a, a sample. The innocent dying for the guilty. The animal had no, no guilt in the disobedience that, that Adam and Eve did. But yet that animal, sinless of, of, of their action, was tunics of coverings for Adam and Eve. A constant reminder of the death in order to cover up my disobedience. These were only shadows and types of what was to come. Because man could not justify, could not be justified by the law and by the blood of animals. Those were just shadows and types of his true provision that he would bring forth. Huh? It's a redemptive. It's a plan of redemption. Sinner, 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 sinner. These, these are all mine. These are mine. They're mine. Sold under slavery. Sold under slavery. They belong to me. That's the devil's attitude. The devil's attitude is that they belong to me. I'm the rightful owner. Because they're sinful. They're disobedient. They're plagued. They're tainted. And you are holy. And this is your creation made in your image and likeness. Ha! Puppets in my hand. They're mine. Oh, what's the price? Innocent dying for the guilty. That their sins would be washed under innocent blood like the animal that was used to cover them in skins. The price that God was willing to pay to pull you out of slavery, He gave Jesus Christ upon the cross to redeem you, to pull you out of bondage and separate you. He separated you, put you aside. Ephesians, what was the payment? Do you know who Jesus is? Come on. The, 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 the very essence of creation. When God said, let there be, he spoke. That, that spoke.
spoken word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, the, the very thing that God gave in order to redeem you, the price he was willing to pay, was he himself laying himself down through Jesus Christ and redeeming you out of slavery. That's the price. That was the price. 1 Peter 2, 24, 25. Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree. That we having died to sin might live to righteousness. Our sinful ways brings us to death and more death and more death. But his gift through his blood stripes. You were healed. The chastisement. Oh, come on. We're going to read Isaiah right now. Yes. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You once were, but now. If then, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. Think about, he not only died for you, he took the punishment that was supposed to come upon you and he took it upon himself. It wasn't, it wasn't just the fact that he came to forgive our sins. He came to take our place in regards to the punishment, the consequence of our sin. Isaiah 53, 1-6 Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, we're speaking about Messianic prophecy, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness and when we see him, there, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was for our, our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. He took our iniquity, our griefs, and it all starts in one place. The sinful nature that you and I are born into. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. Because guess what? He knows. Let me forgive you of your sins. 
wipe the slate clean deliver you from your own consciousness deliver you from your own mindset your your own self-loathing because of the shame and the guilt that you carry let me let me wipe that clean and let let me tell you and whisper to you that there's nothing that you could have ever done or nothing that would you will ever do that would separate you from the love of god there's nothing that we can ever do he loves us beyond our own actions and he says just because of my love for you come to me and receive this love and as you receive this love you're gonna be set free because his grace his grace his grace is sufficient for us in all of our needs where have you fallen of God's holiness what thoughts have you had that are not pleasing to him? The devil will plague us with certain thoughts. They'll cross through our minds and, and they'll come out of the blue and think about it and entertain it for a brief moment and realize and recognize this is not of God. Are there any hidden motives or secret agendas that you may be carrying? Whether in thought or deed, sins of omission, sins of commission. Church, God's grace is here today. Examine yourselves. Understand his redemptive process. He wants to purchase you out of slavery. And he's putting the down payment. Make a choice today to receive his provision in Christ. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.